Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. We got another awesome guest for you guys. His name is Lee Boyce. Hey, hello. Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, so to start us off, if you could tell the audience who you are, what you do, and how you got into this industry. Uh, well, I'm a strength coach. I work with uh, clients. I'm uh, into training clients for uh, physical fitness and, uh, you know, whether it's an athlete who's working for a, a, a sport or whether it's just an executive type of client who's just working to get back in shape or to get into shape in the first place or whatnot. Um, it's what I sort of do. That's my wavelength. And uh been doing that since uh, 2006 7 around that time is when i got my first uh first credentials to do so and um my background personally is that i uh i went to university studied kinesiology but as well i uh, ran track as a track athlete sprinter and long jumper so that was sort of uh what was a little bit of a kickstart to get into the industry of working with people for you know athletic pursuits or things that are pursuing health and wellness and fitness in general and the, just the training side of things so at, at first i wanted to do stuff that was um, more rehab oriented and possibly you know apply for the cairo college or the physio school or whatnot but you know i i have more of a leaning towards helping people who are already on the healthier side of things rather than helping injured people. And so that's sort of what brought me into the training side of things. And uh, it's been something of a passion ever since. So that's a little bit of my story. That's awesome. So do you train primarily athletes or more like the general population? Right now, there's a little bit of a mix, but I'd say more general population for sure. Um, it's, it's always good to have a sprinkling of athletes or people who are very, very athletically inclined in the mix, um, people who are preparing for a sport or a competition or a powerlifter or whatnot. But um, definitely as far as like just progressing and advancing your career as just a as a typical trainer that you usually see around you got to be working with general population clients in order to, to just make it work so that's what comprises a lot of my clientele yeah i, I kind of like having you know a lot of coaches with some sort of sport background because a lot of times when you get these general population clients especially the guys they probably played some sort of sport back in the day and they see like some athlete on TV doing something cool in the gym, they're like, oh, I want to do that too. <laughs> right. Um, you know, there's, there's not much that you can say to replace um, the, the anecdote or play, replace the actual, like, having firsthand experience doing something athletic or something sport-related and whatnot. And, um, you know, it's it just shows there's a significant rift between the trainers who do have that firsthand experience and trainers who train people who want to get that experience and don't have it themselves, you know. And uh, it usually shows through after at least a little bit of digging through program design or, uh, you know, how ambitious a program is or, or uh, you know, rest parameters or something along those lines when they haven't really felt it themselves, you know, it kind of speaks for itself in terms of how it's going to affect the, the client. It's it's usually not a good translation. Yeah, like most of the time when you like see a trainer, you can kind of tell if they've had some sort of athletic background, if the exercise itself that they're showing, if it's something like, say, plyometric, and they even have like that split second where they're trying to think about, am I doing this right? Hopefully I can remember how I was taught. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a... Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. And um, you know what? It even goes beyond just uh, talking about athletic training because you talk about people who never did a size program in their life and they're training somebody to put on a whole bunch of size or a client who uh, wants to drop a whole bunch of body fat and you've got a trainer who's really been focused on bulking for the first five years of his career up until that point. 
And so he never really went through a significant cutting phase or something that was more metabolic in nature. He doesn't have experience training that way. And, you know, just not having that sort of rounded exposure to, to training methodologies, it can come in to haunt you because then all of a sudden you're making a client do something like, you know, I don't know, like maybe a metabolic conditioning workout and asking him to rest for 15 seconds between every set, not realizing that it's just impossible for him to even like get through the thing. You know, and and the the idea of the training effect is starting to go out the window in in uh, in favor of just uh, what's it called? Just simply getting the program done and getting the the workload done, and uh, it's a big big discrepancy there. Oh yeah, I totally believe that trainers should like self experiment before they even like give it to their clients. Because like yeah. a big example is like I've met so many trainers that they've been basically fit their whole life and they just yeah. kind of fell into the job and that's they like all, everyone here <laughs> <laughs> yeah so then like they automatically think like oh if i become a trainer i'm going to become like the strength coach of the new york giants or something right. and they end up training you know general population right and they have no idea how it is to actually lose weight and what your client's actually going through and I don't know, sometimes trainers got to get frustrated and they tell themselves like, oh, my client's just lazy. It's like, well, maybe there's something behind that laziness that you think they have that's actually triggering them to feel that way or be that way. 100%. I, I agree with that as well. And uh, another thing that is really important that um, trainers in general should always take into consideration is something that I've been talking about in a lot of articles, especially this year. And it is just the, the differences in size of the individual. You know, most people don't make acceptances or allowances for somebody who has longer levers or shorter levers, or, you know, they, they look at it so much more from an absolute sense of, okay, do your body weight equivalent in squats for this many repetitions with this much rest. And this is what the workout's going to be. Right. And, you know, a guy who's five, six versus a guy who's six, nine doing a squat workout with a minute rest in between with his body weight on his back. I don't care what the weight is. Somebody's going to have an easier time doing that than somebody else. Right. Oh, and um, it's it's really like it's more than important to take this into consideration because I know personally, like I'm six, four, I'm pushing 260 right now as well. And if you try to get me to do a Tabata workout with squats, like I'll be done after the first three rounds done, you know, and the next person who does it next to me, who's five foot five and one seventy five or whatever, like he's going to have no problem doing it, or at least much less of a problem doing it because of the fact that even though my conditioning could be on in top tier and this guy's could be as well, but it's just one is doing way more work or it's like forced by distance than the other person, you know, and, um, that can easily gas somebody out and it could lead them to, I don't want to say overtraining, but it could lead them to a lot of, uh, just not desirable, uh, effects or, or symptoms of, of a workout, you know? So it's really important to recognize the size of the individual, whether they're conditioned or not, whether they're fatter or skinnier, whether they're taller or shorter and so on, because it's, uh, it's a, it could really change the game when you realize those things. Oh, that's like huge. Like, I get so, like, angry when I hear trainers just using, like, a templated program for every single client and not, yeah. like, thinking about their needs whatsoever. Like, yeah, for the size, that's a huge one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, conditioning, whether it's strength training, whether it's conditioning, whether it's uh, hypertrophy training for size, it's, uh, it's always useful to, to keep that in mind. You know, a lot of workout challenges and a lot of things in um, uh, social media and whatnot, it's sort of 
it's getting people to start thinking a lot less with their minds and thinking a lot more with just like, I don't know, this like visceral competitive inside feeling that they've got in terms of, okay, I'm going to do this for the views or for the clickbait or whatnot. And they see these view, they see these vi- videos that people are posting of somebody who's doing some crazy challenge, some crazy training challenge, and they want to do the same. And they don't take into consideration the fact that, hey, you know, my conditioning's not here or, hey, you know, the guy who's doing this in the video is, you know, 180 pounds. And so he can easily do a planche or whatever. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm six foot five and... 300 pounds and there's no way I'm able to get into that position you know from just a from a physics perspective there's no way so just knowing that um you know you can't really I understand that a lot of those kinds of videos and those kinds of things that people see and challenges people are meant to motivate or to say you know look at what you're capable of doing if you just try but um at the same time it sort of throws logic out the window for a lot of the a lot of the people who are watching it and um you know you know you talk to somebody outside on the street and you ask the next person you can see on the street you know where are your lats or where are your hamstrings and they probably won't be able to tell you you know there's like a 50 50 at least in my city there is so the amount of instruction and the motivation and whatnot that people need in order to get fitter and exercise and be healthy and whatnot is much, much more simplistic than what we're, what we're expecting of people a lot of the time. You know, they don't need to see people doing backflips with a barbell in their hands. <laughs> they need yeah. to see people just executing some good foundation-based, proper, solid, regular basic movements that are going to, you know, and, and educate themselves as well in the right way to, to help them drive them in the right path towards a proper result that's sustainable. That's why I kind of hate social media is like people will share that stuff all the time and it's not yeah. really what people need to be watching. Cause then, you know, if you were a complete beginner and you're on your social media feed, just scrolling through and all you see is people, yeah, doing backflips or doing like the gymnastic parkour stuff. And they're like, holy crap, I just want to get on a treadmill and walk. Yep. Well, there's two things there. First of all, it can be a complete demotivator for somebody, which is what I think you were going to, going towards when you, when you're yeah. saying that is that, you know, like you could get scared. I'd be scared if I was somebody who was just starting out and I see that, okay, well, these guys are doing all this stuff or I go to a gym and I see people doing crazy stuff and I can barely, you know, do a bicep curl with 15 pounds in my hand. You know, I'd be sort of intimidated by that and it would probably demotivate me or just discourage me from really wanting to make strides because there's nobody who's in my shoes or who's addressing people who are in my shoes. So that's number one. And the other thing as well is that like with the social media stuff or or with just any mainstream, whether it's a publication or whether it's a television show or an infomercial or whatnot, all the biggest platforms that are out there unfortunately are catering towards the fluffy fitness information that tickles the ears of the the general public and tells them what they want to hear instead of the things that they need to hear. Right. And, um, you know, that's just like the ongoing issue in the fitness industry. And, you know, I try to use the platforms that I've been on to try and spread, even if it's delivered in a way that is appealing, something that doesn't stray from my own scientific convictions and, and the information still stays accurate so that it educates people in the right way. So, you know, there's a lot of folks out there who will, they will be science-minded, and they will have the right found the right tools and the right uh, ideas regarding training and the right program. They'll be solid trainers, basically, a lot of solid guys out there. And uh, I'll find that a lot of people will shy away from the big publications or, or shy away from the giant platforms like television or infomercial or whatever it is because of the fact that they don't want to really be associated with 
people who are spreading misinformation and people and, and, and publications that are responsible for spreading bad information and whatnot, because, you know, the, it'll, it'll taint their reputation. But the way that I see it, you know, if you can bring something good and something that's better to those places, it'll make them, it'll start making the bad stuff filter itself out. Right. Definitely. So, you know, the only way that the only way that, uh, the fitness industry and the existing problems within the industry are going to change is when the general public becomes these people's focus, our focus as trainers, you know, and when we can focus on educating the general public so that the base knowledge of like that question, where are your lats or where are your hamstrings or what are five strength movements that you should be doing when they can answer those basic questions, that's going to be a step in the right direction. So that when the next time they see that fluffy infomercial or some really, really garbage article come out, they'll be like, okay, you know what? This doesn't deserve any of my time. That's what's going to put those things out of business, you know? And, um, you know, I just have a, I have a whole lot to say about that topic. You know, it's, uh, it's a pretty detailed one when you really think about what permeates the industry and just what we're doing as an industry to try and combat that because we're making, we have the right intentions, but I think our focus is in the wrong place. Lots of the time, instead of it being on each other, where we talk to each other at conferences and we educate each other at these seminars and all these different things, why don't we try to make the focal point, the general public? So it's not secondhand information. It's not like we talk to each other and then we go and train our clients and say that we learned this and so I'm going to train you that way. That's a very inefficient way of, of, of making a dent in this industry, right? I, in my opinion, I think that talking to the general public directly with the information we know already is going to help more people in one shot and you know change the dynamic of the industry and change just the way that things go. Oh, definitely. Like I think I was talking to Kevin Larrabee couple of weeks ago and you saying like the obesity rates are keep rising so our industry as a whole is just failing like we need yep. to figure out a way to reach those people who are not stepping into the gym and figure out a way to bring them in yep and uh you know one way is actually by honestly is like talking to them directly you know like it's just really funny because we as trainers and so on, like if you look at many social media threads and whatnot, which I am definitely a part of because of the fact that this is what I do and a lot of my work is, is online in terms of spreading my information as well. But you look at a lot of different discussion boards or comments or whatnot and like people will get into full-fledged discussions and debates and whatever about really, really detailed training minutiae. And it's not that that's a bad thing, but it's like how much of your energy is this going to require when the next person outside doesn't know where his hamstrings are and the next person outside doesn't know how to perform a squat or even know that a squat is important to do, you know? And again, like there is so many million multi-millionaires out there in the fitness industry who claim that they're fitness gurus and who people revere as fitness experts and like the all seeing eye of fitness. And you look at them for five seconds and you know that their information is garbage, you know, and that they have might, they might even know a lot more than what they're saying and they've sold themselves out in order to pull a profit from it. Right. And, um, you know, it's something that any fitness purist, which I would consider myself something close to that anyway, any fitness purist would get upset over and get jaded over and get upset of the fact that such and such is making so much money misleading so many people about an industry that I care about or an industry that, you know, that my, my, um, my friends care about and whatnot. And instead of taking steps to put those people out of business and have them have no reason to actually still be in business, 
you know, we're, we're, we're stuck sort of like debating a lot of ultra scientific methodologies and topics and stuff like that. And, you know, it has its place, but is that the most urgent need right now? It's a good question to ask for everybody. Yeah, I think, uh, have you heard of that Kino body thing? Yeah, I have. Yeah, like that guy, I'm assuming he's probably like mid-20s or even younger. And he, yeah. like he had a huge budget to do that Facebook ad where he's like in the mansion, had the yep. model girls, had the Lamborghini, and then he yep. shows like his thousands of clients before and afters. I'm like, how the hell did you get so many clients at such a young age to be able to do oh. that? <laughs> you see... I don't know too much about like I'm I'm familiar with Gregory O'Gallagher. That's the name of the guy you're talking okay. about. Um, I'm familiar with his stuff. I've never spoken to him in person or um, or met him physically, but um, I do have him on my Facebook and whatnot. Like he's definitely been a follower of mine on social media from back in, in earlier days. I know that for sure. Um, so the thing that a lot of people misconstrue about the fact, like from what I've seen, those those Kino body ads are they promote intermittent fasting and they promote uh reverse pyramiding in terms of a, a, a trading method those are just two things i'm sure there's a lot more things that they promote as well but those are two things that stood out to me when i watched uh the, the videos or when i've seen them come up on youtube and whatnot um you know the thing with that is that a lot of people will be quick to hate on it because of the fact that hey you know, it's another sort of shirtless guy. He's out there. He's talking about his clients. He's talking about, you know, being Bruce Wayne and whatever else. Yeah. Right. And the thing that I have to respect is the fact that, again, there's not too many groups of people out there that can entirely or wholeheartedly on a base level disagree with what he's doing to help beginners get in shape. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and the information that he's spreading is not wrong. Like they're, they're, fairly well-researched or well-founded studies or things that are that are grounded in some decent rooted science right and it's miles ahead of what a lot of other um fitness uh self-proclaimed fitness gurus or people out there um that are on that level of a platform where their videos are getting hundreds of thousands of views if not in the millions of views are promoting right you know you look at a video by like your jillian michaels or your tracy anderson and whatnot with their product that they have branded that they're trying to market and you know it definitely sings a different tune in terms of what the content and how how applicable or how actionable this content is and how substantive this content is right so i don't have too much negativity to sp uh, spread towards uh, the kino body methods and, and and whatnot i don't have too much uh, bad to say because it's a big step in the right direction when you compare it to that other stuff and it's something that you know you can't really knock any client or any any um What's the word I'm looking for? Any complete novice client, if they're saying that they're going to go after this sort of method or, or they're going to look into training with this, because, you know, he's not he he's yet to misinform people and he's mm -hmm. yet to mislead people with the theoretical information that he's that he seems to be giving giving. Um, now, again, I'm saying this from an outside in perspective where I have not taken the time to totally thoroughly research all the stuff that he said and whatnot. But I 
pretty sure that none of the clientele who are who he's targeting have done that either. You know, they probably yeah. see the shirtless guy. They probably see, okay, well, if I do this, his stuff, that I'm going to look something like him. Or you know, if I do this, then maybe I'll get bigger or whatnot, or gets leaner or whatever it is. Just like somebody who is completely new to the industry or new to fitness or whatnot will see Tracy Anderson and say, you know, maybe if I do this exercise with these dumbbells like she's doing, then I'm going to look like her. Because that's what that's what the sort of the shtick is. That's what people are trying to go for by by making these videos in the first place, right? Um, they're using their bodies as their business card in in a way, um, and you know, most of the time it's not it's not backed by anything scientific or anything that's worth even listening to. And uh, I don't really think that's the case with the Kino body, at least not entirely. I think that he's on a pretty good track, especially when you're trying to cater to such a large audience like he is and, and make it in some way appealing for, for, for people to actually, like, get tuned in. So, you know, as far as as far as everything goes, I sort of applaud what he's doing because, again, it's a bit of a breath. It's a bit of a breath of fresh air, comparatively speaking. Yeah, like I really actually liked his ad. Like you don't even yeah. know what the hell he's talking about other than there's an easier way to get fit. And right yeah. away when I was watching, I was like, man, if I was a regular person, I would freaking click this thing in the heart. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course. No, he definitely has that figured out in terms of, you know, getting sort of getting your mind hooked in and getting you interested in what he's got to say next and whatnot. And um, yeah, you know, like just looking from the surface level, I can't really find too many uh, acute problems with it. And so I can't really knock it. And, uh, you know, like, I know that, you know, just, I'm not even going to say this from my own perspective of, of like, you know, he follows me. And so, but, you know, I see that he's a, He's a science-minded person in the sense of the fact that, you know, he was interested in articles that I'd put out, for example. I see who our mutual friends are. So he's into following a lot of other really um, well, well-respected coaches in the industry and people who have good writings out there and people who are good scientists and whatnot. So the theoretical side of uh, that, the theoretical wealth of knowledge is available to him. And he's definitely at least taken strides to take advantage of that from what I've seen. You know, and so that sort of gives you confidence that the information that he's going to put out, unless he completely goes left field and sells himself out in terms of the uh, the the stuff that he decides to tell the masses and what he says works and whatnot, you know, it's uh, he's on the right track and he's doing the right thing, basically. So I got to respect it. I got to respect it. I'm not too sure how I would make my efforts if I wanted to be on a similar platform to such a such a group and and apply it the same way. I don't know how differently I would do it. You know, it's 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 a tough game to play, you know, and, and it seems like he's playing it pretty well. Yeah, because like it's kind of hard to sell a regular client hard work and exactly like and it's going to take a while before you see any result. And it's not exactly. that sexy at all. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's that's that's exactly it, right? And you know, like whenever I do like a, a TV thing, which it's actually been a little while since I've done anything like that. But whenever I do like a TV thing, or I go and I do a radio show, or I do um, anything, like let's say that uh, Shape Magazine, for example, which you know a lot of people know Shape Magazine to be a very very large platform publication that might contain a lot of stuff that people like to hear rather than uh, have super duper uh, heavily rooted scientific articles in it you know so whenever i get an opportunity on any of those kinds of platforms you know whether it's the tv radio the shape or the men's health whatever it is um 
you know, I just say, you know what, I'd be happy to actually put stuff out there as long as the information does not get, doesn't stray from the things that I'm, uh, that I believe in scientifically, you know, yeah. I'm not going to say the things that people need to hear. If you want an article on the unsexy truth about training, or you want to do a segment on that, absolutely, let's do it. You know, if you want a segment all about how to perform a proper compound movement, let's do it. That's great. You know, and you know, you just spit the facts and you just keep it real. Yeah. Like that whole Kino body thing, like a lot of people hated on him, but I kind of stepped back and I was like, okay, well let's kind of look at it. He's going to the masses. A lot more people are clicking his link to get fit. So at least you have that. It's kind of almost like when CrossFit got really, really popular and everyone's like, Oh, it's so dangerous, blah, blah. People are going to get hurt. It's like, yeah, but they're doing really well bringing people into that gym and moving, whereas before they might have been a couch potato their whole life. Absolutely. You see, the thing with CrossFit, a little bit of a different, uh, a little bit of a different song I sing when it comes to CrossFit because it's a it's a love hate. You yeah. know, with CrossFit, they did again. They made they popularized barbell training. They really did. They made it much more popular now than it was nine years ago. Let's say. Right. Um, look at traditional barbell movements like squats, overhead presses, deads, um, you know, your clean, your snatch, all the lifts that, that CrossFit sort of is, it's got its hub and spoke around, you know, um, those movements were very rarely practiced, especially by the female community before. Right. And now it's something that's a lot cooler. And I think I credit CrossFit a whole lot for that sort of thing. It's something that's a lot more practiced now. Um, the thing with CrossFit is the fact that it's gotten so big that I think that it's less and less regulated than it was before. I mean, they're trying to, but it's hard to put parameters at every single CrossFit box that exists in, you know, the United States, yeah. for example, right, or in Canada or wherever, because of the fact that, you know, you're going to have those bad coaches out there. You're going to have those those boxes that veer away from the recommended uh whatever it is, uh, training methodologies or parameters or whatnot, and you're going to have that increased risk factor and that danger zone just like elevating itself. And, um, you know, that's where all those fail videos on YouTube come from when you see it, you know, and, um, you know, people say that CrossFit is evolving and whatnot. And first of all, I want to know how long that really takes for something to like, if if the head of the boards or whatever was to just come on and just say, listen, from now on, we're not going to incorporate these moves into our programming. And if you want to be on board, then do it because that's what we're now standing behind. You know, if or, or you know, even something simple like uh, we're going to change our program design so that it doesn't include this or that. You, know, you would think that that's something that can be done pretty easily and it would spread fairly quickly with the platform as large as the one they've got now. You know, but for whatever reason, there's still the injury risk and there's still this, the concern about, you know, safety and whatnot that makes CrossFit the debated topic that it is today. So I don't know, like I'm sort of torn when it comes to CrossFit. I still sort of, um, err on the side of caution when it comes to, you know, if clients say they want to give it a shot or whatnot, you know, I'd rather just say, listen, you can incorporate all of the moves. You can incorporate every exercise they do except for kipping pull-ups. I hate those. Uh, (laughs) Incorporate incorporate all of the movements that they do at a base level, but just give yourself the opportunity to rest and not have to fight with fatigue too much and, you know, not have to dabble with so much of a percentage of your rep max while you're doing that fatigue and whatnot, and you'll be fine. You know, just change the intervals and change the the, the rates of perceived exertion. You'll be okay. You can still make a great workout out of that that will leave you on your back if you wanted to, but you'll just be a lot safer while you do it. So... 
that's sort of my thing with CrossFit is that, you know, it could, it can potentiate injury. And I think the main way that it does is just in disregarding, of course, your technique, but second of all, sort of not giving your proper allotment of rest when you need it. And, uh, you know, if we get back to the stuff we were talking about at the very beginning, where you have a bigger body or a smaller body or a taller body or a shorter body, you know, then all that stuff factors in a lot more. Yeah, like, I think it also depends on the CrossFit gym, because I've seen a lot of CrossFit gyms where they're not actually really doing CrossFit. They're actually teaching, like, Olympic lifting classes from, like, right. beginner to intermediate. And, like, I've seen Gray Cook going to certain gyms and giving lectures in their gyms. And right. even CrossFit gyms hosting, like, a RKC or um, Strong First certifications. Like, those gyms there actually have kind of evolved whereas yeah. you can go to any other big box gym and you know the trainers there should be better but they're still right. doing random crap that they shouldn't right. be doing you know and like and once there's a way to sort of regulate that and there's a way to sort of like I know at least maybe they can claim that it's not CrossFit anymore. Like somehow just like detach themselves or their brand from the bad side of it. Then that's, that's a great business move. And it would be a great move to just make sure that it, it, it ensures the, the cleanness of that industry, I guess you can say, or that of that business and that brand and that model, you, you know, it's a, it's a tough one, but you know, I, I do hope that it does continue to get better or that, 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 that evolution sort of happens at a much more rapid pace because, uh, I'll tell you, the clientele can definitely use some help in that, in that department and, and use some safety in that department. Yeah. So now with all this like kind of crap in our fitness industry and only a few trainers actually helping with good information for a client, if they were looking to hire a trainer, what are kind of some things they should consider if they were looking for one or if there's like certain certifications that trainers should have or anything like that? Um, well, you know, as far as the certifications go, I mean, I don't, I'm personally not the type of person who will push the whole education, education thing as being the be all and end all when it comes to mm-hmm. a trainer's abilities. Right. Yeah. Um, but as far as like just behavioral habits and whatnot, I think that, that does speak a lot. Um, you know, a client, doesn't necessarily have to be following their trainer. Sorry, a trainer doesn't necessarily follow their client around with a clipboard and a pencil and paper all the time, um, especially depending on the client's habits themselves and whether or not they're coming in and, uh, on uh, uh, on regular schedule, um, enough times per week, etc. But you know, a, cl- a trainer should. With that said, a trainer should still be definitely more than open to doing so, given that client puts in their side of it. And given that client has the availability to train frequently and uh, is ready to track the results and and they're committed to, you know, it's, it's sort of like a, it's a two way interaction here. All right. And, um, with a with a training with a trainer that uh, displays good information or good uh, behavior, sorry, you know, of course, being you know on time, um, recording the information that their their client does, remembering the things that they did in the previous session, having good structure to their workouts and whatnot, um, you know, in between their sessions or sorry, in between the sets, are they talking too long or are they texting or whatever? Like you obviously don't want to take on those kind of person with those kinds of traits because of the fact that it's gonna not going to really lead you to seeing good results. Um, another thing that I think is really, really huge is whether or not a trainer is, I guess a trainer is brave enough to say that they don't know things, you know, and whether or not a trainer is, is, is ballsy enough to say that, 
you know, they don't have the answer to these questions or they don't know why you're in pain in this area right here or you have discomfort or soreness in this area right there or you have this issue, you know, because a lot of times trainers think they, they should have all the answers, right? Yeah. And a lot of times trainers think that they should be diagnosing injuries or that they should be treating injuries or that they should be giving nutritional information and nutritional advice and creating meal plans and stuff like that. And I'm sorry to say this, but I've seen a lot more of this, especially when it comes to people who are ex-fitness competitors or current fitness competitors, or they're dealing with people who are prepping for a contest themselves, you know, and, you know, first of all, to give out nutritional meal plans and whatnot as a trainer who's only got a credentials being a trainer, it's illegal. You know, yeah. it's not something that we're allowed to do. You know, I don't have nutrition credentials and a list of things like that when it comes to food. So I stay away from it. I'll refer. So having the power to be able to do that and, and take advantage of the fact that, you know what, you don't want to exercise outside of your scope. Huge trait. And, um, a trainer who has all the answers is usually something that I raise an eyebrow to and a prospective client should raise an eyebrow to as well. So, um, you know, you don't want necessarily the guy who thinks that he's a know-it-all. Um, and, and it, it not only does that affect, uh, just your results, but it could, it could ref- affect your relationship with the trainer themselves as well. You know, um, the, the dynamic and the relationship you build with your, your trainer in a healthy way is going to be a really important factor to, to, uh, to seeing the results and staying around as well and, and you know, renewing with that client, with that trainer and so on. Yeah, Cause at like, the end of the day, it's, it's your time, it's your money and it's your results, right? Yeah, definitely. Like I honestly believe like every coach should be humble a hundred percent, no matter how far they are in their careers, because clients yeah. can sense that, right? They're like, you know, my coach is awesome because he's constantly going to this conference, constantly reading this book, constantly doing this, this, and this. And they like, like, I don't know, for my clients at least, like, they appreciate that, hey, we're going to close the gym on this weekend because we're all going to a conference for three days. And they're sure. excited for us to come back and, like, oh, what did you guys learn? I like, what can, right. you, what can we do now and stuff like that. Whereas right. a lot of coaches will get their certification, they're done with it, and they're just going to blast them with whatever workout they found online. <laughs> yeah. No, it happens all the time. And uh, it's, it's really, really it's good to just develop that knowledge base while keeping your head down and moving in silence or keeping your head down and just being humble and recognizing that everybody has something positive to add to the industry. As long as they have good information, you know, as long as they're being uh, um, exposed to good information or they expose themselves to good information, everybody has things that you can learn from. And, you know, likewise, other people have a lot they can learn from you, I'm sure too. And uh, just knowing that, you know, it's an information that's largely, um, opinion based. It's largely inference based. It's not based on hundred percent fact for pretty much any part of it. There's not, there's not, this is an industry where nobody has figured out every single thing. There's a lot of things that are sort of the studies, studies will suggest certain things and, you know, whether or not it's more obvious than others is one thing, right? Like, um, for example, lifting is 70% of your max effort and over an extended period of time will probably make you build some muscle. You know, it's a strong suggestion that makes a lot of sense when you look at the research and look at all this stuff, but no one can prove it, right? There's always going to be that guy who's lifting 70% for 20 years and doesn't put on any size whatsoever, right? Yeah. So there's, there's so much it depends in this industry that we have to remember our place in it and not start sort of 
passing off our word as law and passing off our word as being something that's written in stone, you know, and, and writing off other people's programming ideas or writing off people's philosophies or whatever. And, um, you know, a lot of it comes from making sure you learn from a lot of different coaches and, and that way you can become one of those people who, who is one of the many coaches that other people listen to and pay attention to and learn from. And uh, the cycle can repeat itself that way. But it's very important to remain humble and to, to make sure you don't think you have all the answers at any point in time. And it's going to just encourage you to keep learning. Yeah, that's why I love hearing stories. Like, there's one I remember, like Dan John. I can't remember who was talking about it, but every year when they go to perform better, they were saying that they would always see Dan John, like, first row, listening to the lecturer, and they're like, 10 years younger than him or 20 years younger than him and yeah. he's still learning like that's a pretty big like accomplishment for someone that you admire listening to you for information yeah of course 100 percent um you know i, I kind of hope to be there myself in, in in when i'm like 60 or 65 years old or however old you know that's uh it's a really really uh it, it's just it's a leading by example in a way right he obviously truly believes that he's not uh, he's not finished learning, and there's something he can gather from everybody. And um, likewise, you know, when I give a talk or when somebody like him gives a talk, I'm sure that he's wondering how can I make sure that I can speak to the most experienced person in the room and let them take away something from it and the completely most inexperienced person in the room and let them take something away from it. You know, how can I appeal to everybody? And, you know, it's a, it's a sign of a great speaker when you can do that. And the, the, I'm sure the listeners, him, him included in that particular example you gave, can, can appreciate that and can benefit from that too. Oh, definitely. Now, like you wrote an article, I think it was called When It Comes to Fitness, You Throw Logic Out the Window. Yeah. Why do you think, like, as our industry as it is now, like, if someone was interested in weight loss or building strength or whatever they're trying to do in fitness, they can just go on Google, search it up, and think that whatever they read, it's good to go and they, it'll work? I don't know why. I don't have the answer as to why people decide to, well, throw logic out the window, as I said. But it's what they do only when it comes to the, their own body and their own health, you know, especially when it comes to fitness and exercise. I think part of it might be because of the fact that, you know, a lot of people might have been athletic back in the day. And they thought that because they were young and healthy and they just don't respect their aging process and don't respect the fact that their bodies are much more used than they used to be. And the fact their bones are older now and so on. And so they think that it's easy. They think that eating whatever they ate back in the day and being active in the same ways they were back in the day is all it takes to get back to the way they were back in the day and the way they looked and the way they felt back in the day when truly they were still doing injurious things, but their bodies were just fresher to it back then. Right. So it's an interesting question. It's a good conversation topic because the fact that we seem to be, um, for what's the word I'm looking for, I guess, foregoing the fact that, um, our bodies aren't what they used to be and that our bodies don't respond the same way they used to. So, there's much more of a breadth of education that needs to be garnered now or, or at this time when you're trying to take your fitness by the reins, whether it's for the second time or for the first time. You know, you, if you want to take the bull by the horns where fitness is concerned, then you're going to have to educate yourself. And, you know, if you think about it, people do that in most other areas of their lives. If they wanted to do a reno, reno job on their house, 
they're going to look at something before they just take the sledgehammer and go. Yeah. You know, if they if they're feeling medical concerns like, um, you know, they're having a stomach ache or whatnot, it doesn't go away. They'll probably see the doctor. They're not going to self-diagnose or whatever. You know, like people are going to find a way to have, if they've got legal issues, they're not going to go represent them. So they're probably going to hire a lawyer, you know, or they have tax issues. They're probably going to hire an accountant and so on, you know, and people are quick to get the help they need from proper professionals to do it. But when it comes to fitness, you know, people are very fast to say, you know, I got this, don't worry, I'll just do what I used to do when I was 18 or something like that. And they think that that's it, you know? Um, the other thing about it is the fact that the industry with how many fitness experts there are out there are self-proclaimed fitness experts and whatnot. Unfortunately, people also gravitate towards going for the fluffiest stuff first because they give a guarantee that is more appealing to them. You know, you reshape your body in six weeks by doing this program here. Or if you do this workout system, then you're going to lose three inches in the first seven days, you know, and it's like, well, this is not realistic. It's if it took that little effort, that little time to reverse what you took 15 or 20 years to put on, you know, then everybody in the world would be just jacked, just lean and ripped and jacked out of their mind and so on. So it's not how it goes, you know, and it's almost like people know it, but don't want to admit it. Or they think that they placebo themselves into thinking that they're even seeing change when there's no changes to be made, you know, that have been made. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's for like comfort or for, for the, the, just the, the hope that they're going to get these results in such a short period of time. But again, the truth must be told to these people and, and, you know, they do have to stop throwing logic out the window and start thinking realistically the same way that they think about other things that, that affect their lives. Like, you know, their, their, their medical health, for example, or the other stuff I was talking about, you know, whether it's finances or legal stuff or whatnot, these things, there's a process and there's good information that they have to seek out. Yeah. Like I remember I was at, I think it was a business conference and I started chatting with the guy beside me and I think he was an accountant or something. And he's like, Oh, so what do you do? And I'm like, Oh, I'm a trainer. I train people to help them lose weight and everything. He's like, Oh, so did you hear about this pill that Dr. Oz was talking about? And I'm like, (laughs) Oh man, here we go. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, if it did work, then why isn't all of his viewers like so slim right. and they don't have any issues? And he's like, he like thought to himself, he's like, well, it's for like older guys, like 40 and above. And I'm like, it's still, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, it's just those are the kinds of conversations where you're probably wondering to yourself, like, where do I begin and fix like in in just like addressing this and telling this guy the right thing, like what the real truth is. And again, again, it goes right back to what we were speaking about like 20 minutes ago, where where are our emphases or where our focus should lie as fitness professionals who do know things about fitness and who do have good intentions and whatnot. You know, we're going to these conferences and we're going, we're educating ourselves through articles and we're educating ourselves through new certs and all this stuff. And that's all good. And we, it's not like we should stop doing that. But when are we going to shift our attention to the general public that goes beyond just our clientele? Because, you know, let's say we have 15 or 20 clients even, you know, that's, that's 20 people that are getting the right information. We're paying for it. But what about the public knowledge of fitness? You know, there's no yeah. reason why. You know, you talk to people on the street about knowing their rights when it, t- when it comes to being stopped by the cops or whatever it is. And, you know, you, this, is so, this is something that public awareness, you learn your rights. You learn the things that you ha- have to know to speak to what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do when they want to come into your car or whatever it is, right? So 
in other areas of life, people are raising public awareness for things that matter and things that are important, things that, you know, things that matter. And for some reason, when it comes to fitness, we're not, as professionals in the industry, really giving out that free information on a base level to the yeah. general public or that really, really inexpensive information that's not a personal training session that costs 100 bucks a pop. Just that basic information that says, you know what, here's what you need to know. When you see a commercial like this, this is wrong. You know, when you hear information like this or you see a pill like this, this is wrong. And here's why. You know, when you see somebody doing a heavy barbell squat, it doesn't mean that their body's going to end up looking like this. You know, yeah. when you see someone doing a deadlift, it doesn't mean that it's bad for their back or that it's this for their, their muscular, muscular body and so on. Or, you know, that women shouldn't lift weights that have a barbell, you know, like it, these are things that are just so rooted in tradition based myth that they need to be expelled at some point. We have to debunk them. And the more that we shy away from that, the more that the Tracy Andersons of the world are going to get millions of bucks doing what they do yeah. to mislead the public, you know, and uh, it's it's really that black and white. When public awareness goes up and the, 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 the general masses understand that, listen, we've got to be doing this for our workouts. We've got to be doing these methods for our cardio. We've got to be not afraid of weight training. We've got to realize that there are certain movements that are going to help my athleticism and burn fat and so on. And we've got to realize that it's a lifestyle that takes time, you know, do something for two years and then look at the results that we get out of it. You know, these are the, this is the mentality that needs to start taking over the beginning crowd and the novice lifters out there, the novice trainees out there who want to see results, you know, and then they'll stop buying into the, the fluffy stuff and the fluffy stuff will slowly go extinct. But it starts with educating the public. Yeah. That's why I wanted to start this podcast is cause like, you know, I'm training my clients in person. I'm like, but I'm limited to how many people I can actually help and serve I was like, right. I need to find like a medium where I can reach more people and it's easy. And I'm like, podcast, easy, done. And then I can reach out to all the fitness uh, industry leaders that I look up to and get yep. their take on that. And it's even better information from what I can even talk about. And just Look. even if it's one extra person out in the world that comes across my podcast and it helps them, like, that's huge. That's one extra person. Yeah. Uh, you know, one, on one of the articles that I wrote one time, I saw, and I've stolen this quote ever since, but like uh, somebody commented on the article and said, you know, keep doing what you're doing because, you know, y y people, people with those gigantic voices out there, like, you know, I keep on saying Tracy Anderson, this is the first name that comes to mind, but those giant, the Dr. Oz shows and all those kinds of things, like, they're always going to have that big platform, but hopefully the combination of all the smaller voices with the good voice of reason, you know, though, though that combination of those smaller voices can somehow, you know, just like overwhelm and outshine the, the those big names out there because it needs to happen to see change. So I, I try to stand by that and, you know, encourage uh, any sort of like just public info out there that I can. Yeah. Like, do you have you ever seen that article where it's like, Usually in January, where it's like the top 100 coaches to follow in the fitness industry. Yeah, yeah. Usually, like the top 10 are like, yeah, the Tracy Andersons, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. I don't know how Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow, right? <laughs> yes. That was the greatest article, I think. It was the greatest, right? Okay, was, yeah, yeah. I think it was on that website. And yeah, I've seen it for a few years actually. And um, you know, it, it's, there's in the mix. There's a lot of really great names as yeah. well. But you know, then you see Gwyneth Paltrow, Michelle Obama, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and other people like that. Where it's just like, okay, like why, <laughs> why? Yeah. 
So, you know, it is what it is right now, but hopefully even with little articles that are released like that, like the, just the mindset changes in terms of what you're promoting and why you're promoting it. And, um, you know, I, I get it from that very surface level, you know, look at the impact that a guy like Arnold Schwarzenegger has had yeah. on fitness culture and uh, what, what Michelle Obama being such a fit first lady has had on just general public idea of what fit is and strong. And the, I get it. But at the same time, there's no real substantive information that is really being like given to help the society. Right. So, you know, I, I just like to see a lot more of the of the right names being put on those kinds of lists, especially near the tops of those lists. Yeah. Like I've been following that list for probably the last three years, but every yeah. year it's been changing so that you see more people from our industry that actually have some good information creeping right. up. So yeah, hopefully no, another another three to five years, they might be top twenty. Yeah, hopefully, let's see it. <laughs> so I was gonna ask, what are your like three to five must dos if someone was trying to lose weight and gain muscle? Hmm. Um, okay, well, number one, which is probably the hardest one for me personally as well, is you got to fix the diet and make sure that you're eating in a way that addresses those goals. Mm-hmm. So losing fat and building muscle, like. You know, you've heard the term you can't outtrain a bad diet, and it's actually true. You know, you can't you can't make up for what you're putting into your body by how hard you work out. And uh, you know, you'll see certain results up to a certain point, probably in strength more so than anything physical or aesthetic. Um, but beyond that, you're not going to uh, you're not going to really get your results without without a proper diet. Um, losing fat takes, uh, you know, it takes different approaches to, you know, whether it's your carbohydrate intake or the amount of green vegetables you eat or the amount of water you're drinking and so on. Like those, those, all those things really matter. And, um, it's, it's a really, really important, uh, important factor. So that'd probably be the first thing right off the mark. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing for, um, for training habits, I would have to say is just the discipline of staying consistent, you know, understanding that if you want to lose fat, if you want to lose fat that you don't, you're not going to see much more of than an initial result right off the mark, right? Yeah. You'll drop a little bit of water off the mark and you'll lose a couple pounds probably depending on what your starting point is. But beyond that, it's going to be a lot harder for you to sort of burn fat at such a rapid rate if you're doing things the right way, you know? And, um, what I mean by that is again, a lot of fitness trends out there will, will say that you lose seven pounds in, you know, the first three days and whatnot, you know, we haven't even tapped into body fat yet, you know? And like, these are things where when you realize that fitness uh, and, and triggering change like that is a lot has to do with your hormone system and whatnot and, and metabolic system and and triggering different uh, responses that way, hormonal responses that way, you know, then it's, it's a different path. It's a slower burn. And when you, when you, commit to that and you're okay with that, it's going to stand the test of time, your results will be more sustainable as well. You know, so instead of setting a lot of short term goals, which could be good for motivation and whatnot, but instead of setting so many short term goals, you know, you should take a shot of yourself and then say, okay, let's see what I look like in eight months from now, you know, or a year from now after I'm incorporating this into my life in a, in a very, um, in a very balanced way. You know, and um, it definitely changes the way in terms of what programming you would decide to attack, what diet plan you decide to attack as well. And um, yeah, just like it it sets you up for a lot more of a sustainable um, result. So that would be my second thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trying to think here. Number three would probably have to be 
making sure that you're doing the right things in the in the weight room in the gym. I'll say in the gym because a lot of people are cardio heads and they think that cardio equals fat loss right away. You know, and for a beginner who's looking, it doesn't mean that you can't do cardio, but you still have to set yourself up with a good foundation of strength training and hypertrophy training, both of those things. You know, and um, you could kind of accomplish both of them by using the same types of exercises, but both of the common theme is that they both require weights to do. You need to be lifting uh, resistances and ideally fairly heavy resistances in order to trigger those kinds of changes in terms of your strength and in terms of the muscle that you develop. And uh, it's going to set your foundation properly for you to have muscle is going to help you burn fat number one but number two as well it's going to uh it's going to give you that leaner physique that you're looking for and you're gonna you're gonna tap into more fat loss that way so um definitely working out with weights and prioritizing strength and and hypertrophy training as your main means of exercise in the gym uh it's going to be number one um or sorry number three i guess and uh, what else can I say? I guess using larger movements, too, in the yeah. gym would be my fourth one. So um, I'm definitely a big fan of primal movement patterns and compound movements like your, your pull-ups and your deadlifts and your squats, overhead presses, etc., um, lunging. Those are all good exercises that involve many joints, and therefore they're going to burn the most calories on every repetition that you do, and they're going to sort of spark a little bit of a mega- metabolic uh, demand increase so those are those are good those are good uh sort of pieces of advice in terms of what types of exercises to prioritize doesn't mean you can't do bicep curls or you can't do chest flies or whatnot those are still great exercises too in the but they just have to have their place and those are sort of places to sort of assist the big big lifts you know you want to get really good at the big lifts and do them fairly frequently in order to to see some good results and um yeah that's uh that's number four right there and uh, let me see. For the fifth one, I'd probably have to look at recovery. I'd say that um, you know, rest and recovery—they're kind of underrated. A lot of people that I train are seventy and eighty-hour per week business executives, you know. And uh, for that reason, it's harder for them to get results when they want to get results because of the fact that you know they have families they see at home, and then they've got five a.m. wake up time or even earlier for their for their work. They get to the job at seven o'clock in the morning and then they're leaving there at nine o'clock at night and that's it every single day, five days per week, and then a busy weekend where they're out and about with their families on the weekends. Um, they go to client dinners and so on. They're traveling and they're so they're changing time zones very frequently every month. And it's just none of that is really conducive to a lifestyle that is going to promote lots of aesthetic change, especially when you're over 40 years old as well, your metabolism slower than it used to be. You know, it doesn't even promote consistency in your workouts, let alone having a proper rest and recovery uh, habits that you should, you know, and uh, having the realization that your recovery matters so much in terms of like, you know, you, you're releasing of testosterone or human growth hormone or whatever it is. Um, those, those, those sleeps, those eight hour nights that you can, that you might be missing out on while you recover to rest and recover. These things, these things matter, you know, these, these things are really, really important for how much, uh, how much result, physical result that you see. Um, you know, you, you will notice the increase in your energy levels, but on top of it, you'll notice the increase in your lean body percentage, uh, the lowering of your body fat and so on. And, you know, like that, it sort of speaks for itself. The recovery is, more important in in many ways than your workouts itself 
And so, um, you know, I'll, I'll even factor in once again, the diet into recovery because it's a way of replenishing your muscles, energy stores and your muscles, nutrition, nutrients, and so on. So I'll still throw that in there as well, but rest, rest and recovery, you know, just what you're doing, what, what, how early you're going to bed, how deep your sleeps are, how long your sleeps are. Um, and, and just the, the it just the, everything that you do outside of the gym, it's probably more important than the things that you do in the gym in terms of what's going to sort of, uh, I guess, uh, amplify your progress or amplify the results that you get or that you're seeking. Yeah. That's a tough population is like the business owner or the top executive. Like, yeah, it really is. It's, it's super hard to, uh, to, to make somebody like they've got to be really committed to making changes overall hopefully they're not in too deep you know and yeah, yeah. You know, like i'm sure it's really addictive to get used to making seven figures a year i'm sure that that's uh you probably already have to be wired a certain way to have such a pursuit and and go after it so strongly you know um so it's something that even i see it when they're working out because there's some people who are super a-type personalities and mm-hmm. so when they're working out they don't even believe in resting and it's like well listen yeah. dude like we're doing a workout that's supposed to make you build some muscle here. And so the rest matters, you know, we're, we're focusing on your strength here where you need three minutes for your nervous system to just get back to normal here. So I'm not going to make you do this two rep deadlift or this three rep bench press again until you've rested properly. (laughs) So, uh, you know, like just that whole sort of like being wired to the go, 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 go mentality. It's, it's something that needs to sort of be behaviorally trained otherwise so that they can realize that, you know what, there's a time when you can turn it on. There's a time we've got to turn it off as well. Yeah, I think Gary Vaynerchuk, out of all the business owners, figured out how to stay consistent by hiring a trainer, following yeah. him around everywhere he goes, no matter what. Because like yeah, yeah. the guys that I train, like say they're supposed to show up at 5 p.m. and if they're stuck in a meeting, they're not just going to sit up and be like, hey, I got to go to the gym. See you later. Right. They're right. going to stay and maybe text you the next day, like, oh yeah, sorry, I couldn't make it. <laughs> right. Right. That's happened to me before as well. Uh, it's probably happened to all of us, but, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, the consistency is the main, like that's is one of the hugest factors when it comes to, um, just getting the results and seeing the results. And we spoke about it throughout this entire talk. Um, but yeah, like it's just making sure that you can actually make it to your sessions is number one. And, uh, if you, if you can, then, you know, is your trainer giving you some homework or things that you can do on your own in a safe way and so on? Is he addressing the issues that she, that, the, that you, that he he has found that you have to address. And the, that's the, one of the big things in terms of seeing results and, you know, even finding a good trainer, which we spoke about earlier, yeah. you know, is he, is he taking the time to actually like speak on these things and address the things that the trainer, the, the training client needs more so than the training client, what they want, you know, and the training client needs a behavioral change or the training client needs postural correction or a lot of strength before you can focus on fat loss, for example, or, or whatever, like, are these things being brought up? You know, yeah. at the end of the day, the trainers, the trainers being paid to deliver the results, exactly what the results are of the client that they want. So if my 400 pound obese client says he wants bigger biceps, that brings me into an ethical, an ethical dilemma, you know? Yeah. Do I say, you know what, you know, you're, you're morbidly obese here and you need help. You need to improve your health here. Or do I just give him these workouts that are going to give him bigger biceps? It's a good question to ask. All right. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a real, it's a real different animal being in this industry because of the the relationships that we develop with clients and the, the situations we might be put in. 
Yeah, like I tell everybody, like the number one thing just to focus on if you're starting out is consistency. Just show up. Like that's yeah. all you need to worry about because the moment you fall off, you're going to develop that habit of, oh, I can just not show up to the gym and everything's going to be fine. A yep. year goes by where you keep missing, then show up, miss two weeks, then show up. You haven't done anything. And then you get you know frustrated that, oh, this gym thing doesn't work. A trainer doesn't work. So I'm going to leave as a client. You know, it's funny because like this might be a testimony of me being some terrible trainer or something like that, but I'll say it anyway. <laughs> um, I have a lot of clients who, or I've had a lot of clients who, you know, they'll be finished or they'll be finished. They, they might be working out with me and renewed their sessions and renewed and renewed. And they've been working with me for quite some time. And then, you know, okay, I'm traveling away for this amount of time. And then afterwards I'm going to buy a house. And then after that, I'm doing this. And after that, I'm doing that, but I'm going to come back to you in eight months from now. I'll, I'll, I'll reach out, you know, and 70% of the time, they don't come back. Yeah. The second that you kill that flow and you kill that cycle and you don't, you're, you're not staying consistent anymore and you let other things get in the way of just taking the time to put your health first is the time that you're going to fall off for good. You know, and there's some clients that do come back and there's a, there's a handful of clients that I'm still working with. I'm still working with them and they come back or they, they stay in touch with me while they're away or wherever they are going or whatever they have to do in their lives. But then they come back, you know, and then there's that there's that great amount of people who they have all the resolve in the world at the time and then stuff gets in the way and it gets delayed and delayed and delayed. And that delay means they're never coming back there. That's it. <laughs> you know, and um, it really speaks for that consistency that you're bringing up and how important it is. It really matters, man. Yeah. Like a good example. I've said to some clients, the gym that I was previously at, it actually shut down and we had, we had a whole bunch of clients without a gym and they kept texting me email. I probably got an email and phone call every single day asking, Oh, are you ready to start training yet? I'm like, well, one, I need to get a space. (laughs) So, Eight weeks later, found a space, contact everybody, and it was interesting to see who right away showed up. Like, nothing, like, changed in their life. They're like, I'm going right. to continue being active. And right. I had some clients that were, you know, coming in three, four days a week, and those ones were the longest ones to get back. Like, I remember there's a couple, like a handful, where it took me a year of, like, emails and calls to get them finally back in. And Crazy. it could be, like, honestly, like, say you injured yourself and you honestly couldn't go to the gym, something that small and having the gym part of your life before right. that could just throw off your whole schedule. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Like, uh, I've had sort of like exactly the same situation with clients as well. Uh, what you're saying. And, and it is funny, you know, like, and if there's one thing before, like we stop or anything like that, 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 that I definitely want people to recognize or to trainers to recognize it's that, when it comes to like the whole fitness thing, like we're talking about that whole throwing logic out the window side mm-hmm. of things in that vein, when it comes to like fitness and stuff like that, a lot of clients think that hiring a trainer itself is their golden ticket to the result, you know, that they don't really have to put in too much work on their own or be fitness minded themselves or develop a mind that is fitness related in some way in order to get the results or to have to lead a healthier lifestyle. They think that signing on the dotted line is the way for them to get it. Right. And so, you know, I hired a coach, therefore I'm already fitter, you know, and it's not the way that it goes. And a lot of these clients, they don't care about fitness and health and stuff like that 
and that's what you're there for, you know, in yeah. their mind. That's what you're there for. They, you're handling that. And they don't they don't think about decisions that they've got to make unless they're told to think about it. They don't think about their consistency. If you say that you've got to cancel a session because you're feeling sick, for example, then they're not going to work out on their own. They're not yeah. going to ask, what should I do on my own? You know, only those few keener clients that are really good that you remember for that reason, those are the clients who will ask the question. But most of them, oh, well, my trainer's not so, I guess I'm not going to the gym today. Yeah. Brought my clothes for no reason, and that's yeah. it. You know, and it's a terrible thing to say, but that's really and truly what it is. Like, that's what that's what the reality of the situation is, and a lot of clients, um, they don't take the, the bull by the horns where their fitness is concerned and realize that our job is more of a navigator. It's not the people who are dictating the whole thing. We just help steer you along the certain path and give you good workouts in the process. But it all sort of stems from your own motivation and your own desire to see change and actually adjust your lifestyle to incorporate fitness and many other elements of health into leading a healthier lifestyle and seeing results and being a fitter person and so on. So that is definitely something that we as trainers have to appreciate and recognize that this is not the first thing on the minds of most clientele. And we need to hopefully gently change that over time. Yeah. I kind of make the um, comparison to like being able to lose weight or get stronger is almost like if you sign up for karate or Taekwondo, just by showing up doesn't mean that you're going to get a black belt. There's stuff that you're going to need to practice on your own. So when it yeah. comes to the day that you get your black belt, it's because you've done the extra homework to get there. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. And it's a, it's a good way to think about it. And uh, it's a good way for clients to think about it too. Yeah. Uh, so last question, cause we're running out of time. Uh, is there anything that you are doing any big projects, speaking engagements and where can people find you online? Um, well, I've got some, uh, I've been doing a lot of work with a lot of different magazines and whatnot, of course. So I'm going to stay consistent with that. Uh, I just recently got published in the NSCA's uh, journal, one of their journals called personal training quarterly. Um, so that was a pretty momentous event when it got, when it got published because they're probably arguably the largest certification and education body when it comes to our industry and fitness and, and in general, and just, uh, it's a huge certifying body. They certify strength and conditioning specialists as well. And, uh, it's a really, really big platform. So on a scientific level and stuff like that, I was pretty proud of that one. Um, I'm about to speak at a university at a college, sorry, um, at Humber college up in, uh, up in my neck of the woods pretty shortly in the middle of November. It's going to be my fourth or fifth time there which is pretty good as well. So I'm slowly dipping my feet a little bit deeper and deeper into this whole speaking realm, the speaking territory. So that's going to be pretty cool. Um, see where that goes in the next year or so. Um, and as far as my own stuff, my own projects, I've got a couple things that I've got on the go that I'm going to stay quiet on until I release them. So we'll, uh, we'll see how they turn out. Hopefully the next one comes out in the next week or so. Um, and that's going to be on my website, which is a place that people can reach me as leeboystraining.com. And uh, I'm always tweeting stuff on Twitter, uh, my own tweets with regards to uh, little fitness tips and different uh, things to think about where, with, where, where fitness is related. And um, that's uh, at Coach Lee Boyce. That's my Twitter handle. And uh, you can find me on Facebook. Pretty hard to miss on Facebook as well. So uh, if you search Lee Boyce on Facebook, you'll find me there. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. Great, no problem. All right, so that was the end of episode 21. Hopefully you all enjoyed it. I'm going to turn this around and ask you guys what would you want answered. It can be anything. 
Maybe you want to know more about nutrition and had a specific question about a certain diet. Or maybe you want to know something about fat loss training and what you should be doing in the gym. Or maybe it's just something like emotional eating or some sort of eating behavior that you don't know how to overcome. Send me an email at rafal at empowerhp.ca. That's R-A-F-A-L at empowerhp.ca. Or just message me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and I'll get your uh, questions answered. And uh, until next week, we'll be back.